Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out on the jukebox singing when, what, ele- what was the first election you guys voted in? I turned 18 in 96 So that one Yeah, I guess 96 Clinton Oh yeah. Yeah, I just turned eighteen. I think we're a couple years older than you, Josh. How old are you? Uh, I you am, haven't reminded I was, us in fucking I was, since I, last week. My Josh my, is twenty three. My, <laughs> my my first election actually I turned eighteen the year like basically four months after the Bush Gore election. So I, I wasn't able to vote until two thousand four in a presidential election. Appreciate that. You could have changed things. That's what you get for being so fucking young. In in Mississippi, I could have I could have changed changed Maybe. the way it was going to go. That's what see Blue, that's what you get from being so young. If you were a little older, you could have done something for your country. I, I I've never I've lived in three different states in my life and never have had anything. And never has my vote counted in my entire life. <laughs> you're like, you're like Boston, Los Angeles, Mississippi. It's like yeah. A guy they're, tried they're, to tell me how how much how much L A sucks. I'm like, why is our fucking land worth ten times yours? Well, the funny argument I had with a friend of mine the other day, and they were saying they sent me the like, you know, you get the I get the electoral map, and it's it's mostly red land wise, and so I said, okay, so you so if you know, I understand that you're probably joking and trying to like troll me a little bit, but if you think that land matters more than people in this country, that means if say I own seventy five acres of land and you own fifteen, my vote should count more than yours. Right. In that right. case, it would really get slaughtered. I actually, I voted, I've always voted, I've never voted uh, in person. I voted absentee in 2004. I was in school in Boston, and I had an absentee ballot for Mississippi. And I'm pretty sure I did the same in 2008 when I moved, to, when I lived in Los Angeles. And then in California, obviously, you can vote by mail. Like, if y'all, did y'all have, have to, like, go in in person? I have, but I must say, I probably will vote by mail from here on out. I mean, that was <laughs> Why would very, you do anything else? Very easy. Well, I did a hybrid. I filled it out at home, but I went and dropped it off there. Well, I dropped it off at a um, at a post office in Los Feliz. But yeah, yeah, I did. I did one of the drop boxes, like one of those like election boxes. Hopefully, it wasn't one of the fake ones they were putting up. It doesn't <laughs> matter in California. <laughs> exactly. Well, my vote doesn't matter. That's what's so crazy. I, was, I told friend, uh, a friend of mine in Mississippi years ago. I was like, "Yeah, I vote by mail," and like I signed up for always vote by mail, and like I'll get ballots sometimes when I have no idea there's an election. You know, it'll be like a random march and it's like the school board in Santa Monica. It's like... Um, mm-hmm. We should have a but, top five Trump moments that we actually like. Speaking of... Man. Wait, wait. You're saying top five Trump moments you actually like? Yeah, there's a couple of them. I'm not going to lie. There are a couple of them. Give me your top five Trump moments. Top, you okay, one of them was when he came out to... <laughs> when he came out to you can't always get what you want by the stones. <laughs> That's pretty solid there. When he said cool. black people, what do you got to lose? I mean, that's some straight up audacity. Right. That that's well, impressive. When he said well, I love well, the uneducated. Biden also to be fair, Biden also said Biden never said black with, people, what do you have to lose by voting no, for me? But he said if you don't vote if if you're black and you don't vote for me, you're not black. Yeah, that's my so, least favorite Biden moment. Though. I'm talking about my like <laughs> Biden's least favorite moments are like close to Trump's favorite moments. That's what we're getting at here. But yeah, so it's like I'm saying when he's like, "What do you got to lose?" When he said, "I love the uneducated," 
That was pretty fucking. <laughs> I, that, that, that is my that top was five, yes. transcendentally amazing. The uneducated love Trump. <laughs> um, Those are solid. Recently, one that I can just that that Axios interview where he pulls out the papers and he's trying to point at these huge fucking graphs. He has no idea what what they even mean. He's just like ah, the numbers. No. Check the, the numbers. The, the best Trump moment of the last four years was the dumbest thing. But, like, so funny when there was a hurricane and he said it was going to hit Alabama. And then, the oh, when he added, when he added like, to the no, meteorology map? And then he had a map that he had drawn, <laughs> drawn like a circle onto the like weather That's service crazy. circle that like encompassed some part of Alabama. And it was just like, and somebody was like, Did you draw that with a sharpie? And he was like, No, nah, I don't know where that came from. I um, mean, the most cla- I mean, one of my favorite moments is, again, very recent, but him dancing to YMCA is just. It's already been memed a thousand times. It is just so bad. I watched the Big Lebowski the other night, and that shit where he's like, come on, man, I fucking hate the Eagles. And the guy just pulls over and is like, get out of my cab. (laughs) (laughs) Bridges said said he saw... Maybe a little wrong on like places and stuff, but he said that years years after that, he saw Glenn Frey, and Glenn Frey was like, yo, man, what's up? And he was like, I didn't write the script, dude. But I must say, one of my favorite parts of that movie is where he's smoking the joint in the car, beating the roof to looking out Flip my credence. back door. Oh, yeah. yeah. the best. My favorite part follows that when he runs right into the fucking dumpster. Like, it's such an amazing... I mean, he hits well, the no, dumpster that whole, that so whole, hard. That whole scenario. I mean, and one of the best lines is the cop who's like, I wouldn't hold out much hope for the credence. So funny. Oh, he's in Malibu. I love it when the guy, the the, the porn producer, is drawing and he's he's doodling on the pad. <laughs> yeah. and he goes over there and like scratches it. And the guy had just been drawing a guy with a huge cock. Like that's why he was drawing. On the that that's, that's oh yeah, phenomenal. and Bridget, yeah. he just looks so confused. It's like that is uh, oh yeah, and it's crazy that like it's Amy Mann and Flea are two of the nihilists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It, how many Eagles songs are there that you really like? I don't put on the Eagles a lot, but I don't hate. I like. I'm not anti-Eagles. Like, no, I'm not either. I'm also. There's probably four. I give a fuck about ever hearing again. There may be six. Yeah, True. there's a there's a handful that I really like. That I mean, it's 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 like a lot of bands where you, I don't listen to them a lot, but when you do put it on and intently listen, you're like, damn. There's... You know, I mean, it's the same for the band that we're going to be talking about this week. Yep. Yep. I was thinking the same thing. And that band (laughs) is the Kings of Leon. And this week we will be discussing their song milk from their release. Aha shake heartbreak. She saw my coma over her hourglass body. She had problems with drinking milk and being school tardy. She loaned her toothbrush. She bought him your Yeah, so we're going to talk about Milk by Kings of Leon, um, which is on one of my favorite albums of all time, Aha Shake Heartbreak. This is one of the more like sweet tunes and also one of the ones that... It is the one that stuck out to me the most when I first heard it. This 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 song has a lot of nostalgia for me. It came out when I was in college. I loved their first album, bought the second album. My buddy and I were playing cribbage and super stoned mm-hmm. in our apartment. And we put, put the CD on and this song came on. We kind of just looked up and we're like, woo. 
That's a good one right there. It's so sparse and weird and and sweet and cool and th- I don't think it's my favorite song on the album, but it's definitely a standout. So Jonathan, what's uh, <laughs> I'm curious to see what you think about the song. You know, I'll definitely give it a lot of credit for it being artistic because it really is. Definitely sounds unique. Doesn't sound like you know much else I've heard. They definitely come from a very unique and interesting place, and that shows. But his singing in the beginning is objectively bad. And I don't say that much about <laughs> it. It is bad. It's bad. He's way out of pitch. Flat. And his voice, this tonality is atrocious. Well, the ba ba da ba da Like, it's bad singing. Now, the, when he gets going, it's cool. I like the direction they went in. I Once again, I, I commend them. I would rather someone do that than put out something that's boring and tiresome or, or cliche. Thumbs up on the artistic efforts but uh you know it's a sour pill for me i thought it was a great vocal performance that's the first thing i wrote down um i don't i don't think it matters that he's flat it's just it's so unique um i think one thing he does is sometimes it sounds like he's talking in his own language like some of the words like some stuff you can't even make out what the hell he's saying but just the fact that it's so unique it doesn't have to be in perfect pitch for it to be good and i i feel like it's borderline, some of the songs, almost like acapella. Like there's just some soft guitar there just for a bed for his vocals. And I just, I, I love how the song has a very youthful vibe. Makes me think of like um, college or young adulthood and like about a certain girl he knew from across town or friends with benefits situation that never materialized or something along those lines. I think it's a very cool song. Something like that you would blow your mind if you heard it like an open mic or something like that. Yeah, that's uh, that's hilarious, Jonathan. I mean, we'll, we'll get into the vocal uh, a little bit later when we're talking about the music. Now, let's be clear. I totally agree. It's not about perfect pitch, but, like, there's also you need to be in the ballpark. A lot of that stuff, it's just, like, and combined with the tonality is so abrasive. And now, I, now, let's be clear. I'm only talking about the beginning. Once he gets going into the fast, it's kind of syncopated. I, I do think that's interesting. I think that's really cool. I don't like the whole – I just mean the intros where it's just him – out of key with a really rough tone is like, oh God, like I don't, I, it's very infrequently do I wince. And I was like, oh, I can't, this is tough. Well, I just, I've never thought of it as out of key. It's, it's just art. I think the raspy and I, the, just the, maybe because it is out of key, I, I've, I've just never noticed that. I, I, I don't understand why you think it's bad. I, I mean, mean I, I, I mean, pitch is, is one of the few things that you can measure objectively. And of course you don't have to be perfect pitch, but he's like, out, out. It's just weird. It just sounds, it's dis. It gets dissonant. So So. Where and, and and also too, if he if that was fixed, it would just make it a lot better. Is my biggest. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, so, I think so, that's part of its charm. So do you think it's it's at a pitch every time he's doing one of those well, little, you know, whether it's. Or stay when he comes down, it's just like, Whoa, brother, where are you? Okay, Okay, so I'll kind of dive into my take on the vocal when we get to the instrumentation and and vocal section. But one one thing about this song is that if you've listened to the album, most of the songs are very rocking. There's a couple kind of slower, ballady ones towards the end, but this one is almost like 
I wouldn't call this a ballad. I don't think it's really a, like a slow song or a, like a rocking song. It, it's it's like like you said, it's very unique. It's very creative. It, it really gets upbeat there in the middle, and it's very sparse as well. So it creates this vibe that's just so original. And you could read it as a it could be a breakup song, but like Neil said, it could just be about like. Uh, somebody you, you're longing for. It could be like a love song where the breakup is just uh, on the periphery of... In spite of what I'm giving them a hard time about the vocals, my most important thing that I measure any art by is can I tell something about, A, can I recognize who it is by when I hear it, you know, I don't have to yeah. guess. And can I tell something about the folks? And you can definitely tell something about them. It's it's effective. And, I, you know, I'm not saying it's bad because it's real pitchy. It's just like, if it was just tightened up, it would be... It would just be. It would sound, I think, significantly better. Yeah, I just, yeah. I don't agree. I think that, like I just said, it's part of the charm of the song, and uh, he sings like this a lot. Like, and I think you just like it and don't mind the pitch. But I'm gonna say, like, to me, it's part yeah. of why I can't hardly listen to it. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, but I just don't think you can say objectively it's bad. I can say in I can certainly say it's one of the few things I've heard from it. I think I think this is objectively bad because it's so out of fucking pitch. I can't but isn't to it. but if you think it's objectively, isn't that? Well, I'm not. I'm not. It would be subjectively. I'm bad. not claiming to speak for humanity. I'm just saying <laughs> everything I say. Objectively for Jonathan Horton, but I think that is still a subjective statement you're making. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's like it's clearly. I mean, I'm not, but it, it is. It's just something you can measure and. His vocals are so the focus of everything. If it was not the, it's all there is. It's just that vocal, and it's like well, of the you melody know, line. I like the idea. Of the, and let's be clear, it's not unique. I might have fucking pitch all the time, <laughs> so it's like you know. So I'm not blaming. Him. I just can't believe they let that go. Well, it's almost like jazz or anything where you're playing the notes in between. You're playing dissonant stuff. You know, like that's why yeah, jazz is so jazz. He's just out. He's just out of pitch. I mean, it's fine. It's okay. And if you well, like, no, he's, he's not. He's not pitch. jazz. But I'm just saying that is part of the allure of some of that more creative music that's not just fucking do re mi but even you know then they're not they're not off pitch they're using weird harmonies but they're not out of i mean he's just you know and it's cool mick jagger's out all the time and i love him but like it's just because it's all the focus the whole thing is about that melody it's a cool melody if it was tweaked it would sound better and his tone is so it's not just raspy it's a a yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that you have your own opinion and it's not perfect singing, but I don't think if it was cleaned up, it would be better. I think this is a great performance. I'm not, I'm not saying it would be better for you. I'm saying it would be better for me. That's why we, uh, yeah. that's what we talk about on uh, here. Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. And <laughs> here to express so, ourselves and, just hear, and hear <laughs> we, each other out. We don't have to agree. You know, you, you, everybody interprets songs differently. Now, saying that, as we go into the lyrics of, this, of the lyric of this song, what would you say this song is about Jonathan? I don't know. I don't think about songs that way, honestly. I don't think about what they're about. I just think of the impression they make on me. It's contemplative. It's introspective. But it's also, it has creative thought in there. It, it, it's, it sounds like someone trying to see things maybe in a better way. They're trying to find a better perspective for themselves or something. It's got that, there's an optimism to it. I, I kind of hear it in tones. And there's a lot of cool juxtaposed or juxtaposed tones. Yeah. Specifically what it's about, I don't know, but I think it's, I do enjoy the vibe of it. I think it's, yeah. you know, I think it's fun. Well, I already kind of said that it, you know, I thought it was just kind of about a, a girl across town or just someone from a another city or someone, a girl that's not really relationship or marriage material. You know what I mean? Yeah. But 
I was thinking also not to take anything away from this imaginary girl. Like she sounds like a real badass. <laughs> like yeah. lone like everyone's known people like this. She sounds like she doesn't really have her shit together, but she'll bartend your party and she's a hell of a good time, you know? Well, the lyric in the chorus outside of the vocal is my favorite part of the song. Can you tell the words without looking them up? I mean, you, were you guys aware of what the words were? I'm not yeah. saying you did or didn't, but you knew it. Not, not all of them. Not okay. most of them. I did, but I've heard the song so many times over the okay. years that I, I just knew not, it. I, I was just curious. Okay. No, it, it's hard to interpret uh, what he's saying. But if you, if you listen to the chorus, especially, like, she saw my comb over, which is basically just he's aware, like, he's insecure, her hourglass body, like, she's too good for him, right? She had problems with drinking milk and being school tardy. She's wholesome. And, but she's also like, she'll loan you a toothbrush and bartend your party. She's also like willing to party. It reminds me of, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie 500 Days of Summer. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's it good. reminds me of, of, of like a girl like that, that like you just picture is great. And then there's these yes. little vignettes, like the, the verses are like little vignettes of like how mm -hmm. perfect this was in the time that they spent together. And then the chorus is just really nice, concise description of her qualities and like her quirks and a really well written lyric on, on how to. I think that's pronounced Big Nettie's. Big. <laughs> just so we're clear. I, just, I want to make sure we get that right. Well, just to your question, I opened this up saying like he almost sings in his own language. Like I, you, you get, I got from this song all I needed from just a couple things, just from the chorus and just like them drinking wine at the matinee. And then the rest, I have no idea what he's talking about. I didn't know he was saying salty leave. I always thought he said school totted instead of tardy. School totted. <laughs> totted isn't even a word. I know, but it's, it's just like she's bad at being school totted. It makes perfect sense because if you're not school, if you don't go to school, you think yeah. the word's totted. <laughs> yeah, you're stretching there, buddy. <laughs> okay, tardy. if you guys school have tardy. one. Well, school tardy isn't a phrase. I mean, school tardy, is, it makes sense, though. Like, you oh, can put that, that together. That chick's real school tardy. <laughs> You know what that means. We all know what that means. Do you guys have a something that comes to mind immediately about some line you always say one way and really found out it was another another way at some point? We're like, oh, I've been singing that wrong for like 25 years. I can't um, think of any, but there's plenty. It kind of takes me back to the Pro Call Harem song we talked about, Wider Shade of Pale, where you, you if you don't know the lyrics, you just hear certain things. And I think that's okay in this song because the way it's written, it really is just like little vignettes, then the chorus, and then those little salty leaves stay for me kill me like that's just kind of you know little breaks <laughs> that tell you this didn't go right or i wish i hadn't seen this because i wonder how much it affects me but i'd seen some documentary on them there's a movie out about them a while back whatever yeah well they called talahina skies okay um and actually no it wasn't that it was some outside scene it was the thing about the stones oh shine shine a light the documentary they, they yeah it was caleb follow talking or what was his name Caleb Hollow. Yeah, so, so Caleb Hollowell wrote the lyrics. Okay, the right. So it was him talking. So, but it was a Stones thing. And they're like, what is your favorite Stones? Like, whatever. And he was like, you know, I really haven't listened that much Stones. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's kind of weird, whatever. But like, why are you on this fucking Stones thing? My point is this. There's always been something about the Kings of Leon that has struck me as odd. And I, it always made me feel like there's like a hole in their sound. And I can never really articulate and I think I know what it is now. Well, I just think it's because they weren't allowed to listen to fucking music oh, when they were no, kids. No, just, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a point I was about to make. You know what it's like? You ever see that movie, Nell? Yeah. Where the girl's in the closet, and yes. she comes out, and she can't really fucking talk right and shit, you know? Uh, yeah, of course, man. But she's really yeah. you know, very unique. Singing voice about the same. So they have a 
they don't really have any rules to play by or stick by, and I think that's why it does come out as interesting. But that's you know they're they're like the nail of rock and roll. But yeah, you were saying you knew you you knew that they couldn't list they they're raised by yeah, the and I wonder how much that affected my if I started looking for. Well, if, you're, if you're talking about songwriting, think about like us growing up in the South because they're from the South too. So if you grew up in the South, and you're listening to like this stuff because you and I. But they're so not Southern. That's what's so weird about it. It's like they don't have any of the influence because they don't really listen to anything. Well, that's what's so weird about it. Is there something they don't sound Southern at all? They could be from Oxford. They could be Alt J. I think they sound like a Southern rock band. I think his I mean, his twang is obviously Southern. Yeah, it, it, it's cool, but that's I think that's what it is. Like it's very unorthodox. He doesn't sing any blues notes though, really. He didn't sing like he didn't sing a lot of that blues phrasing. It's not there's nothing about it that really makes it yeah. sound southern to me. I, I agree with that. Like if I uh, if I found out they're from Chicago or something, I wouldn't be like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's not like Skinner. It's like when we found um, CCR was. I think there's something inherently southern in their songwriting. Well, and, some of them, some of them. I mean, back down south is definitely southern. I think a lot of the songs I relate to on a pure southern level of how you would enunciate because most honestly most of their songs are about women and sex and you know they don't they don't really get past that in their songwriting i mean it really is just all about relationships women and sex and i think it definitely comes from that that repressed preacher upbringing and and i can relate to that because i grew up in the church and like it's very repressive and i mean little richard got laid all the fucking time and he's still singing about it all the time so i think people just like writing songs about that they have a pretty specific sound this is not it other than his vocal which is really what the major part of their sound it's it's like he's speaking his own language and you either like it or you don't i can definitely see why people don't like the way this sounds i fucking love it <laughs> kind of moving on to music because there's not much to really talk about other than his voice. You know, there's a simple acoustic guitar. It starts with kind of a synth intro, which I kind of dig. I, I feel like that's a nice soft way for the song to come in. Um, and then it picks up in the middle with electric bass and uh, just some drums. I love I love how the electric guitar is used in such a percussive way in the middle. Like it almost matches the drums. Yeah. Keeps it rolling. Called down a cup, but I can't get through. Said he's on his own, but he's on his you. Yeah, I mean, I think the simplicity and the sparseness of the music, it complements the vocal perfectly. And, like, I, I completely disagree with Jonathan in that I don't care at all if he's out of pitch. And, and I love the way that sounds. That salty leave come in. Mm-hmm. And, and the music just around him and supporting it, it creates such... Tension. Attention and such an original vibe. I can't really think of a song that, that's exactly like this. It's so creative. And, and and the way they use the music, like you said, it's sparse. I mean, you have Kingsley Honors, the Followell brothers, uh, Nathan's on drums, Jared's on bass, and then their cousin Matthew is playing guitar, and that's it. Yeah, it's crazy that they're, the whole, they're all Followells. It's nuts. Yeah. I mean, it sounds kind of inbred. <laughs> well, you know what else it does? It creates a dreamscape. Are you saying this is a nightmare you don't mind being a part of, Josh? <laughs> that what you're saying to me, son? I know. I would I would compare this more to, like, the Everly's tune. I think the synth at the beginning is atrocious. I hate that tonality. That, that specific synth sound is just like an infomercial coming on. But that being said, I do like musically where it goes. To me, this is Radiohead in the South in the sense that it's someone who approaches something in a totally new way. Radiohead approached it in a new way because they were at Oxford and college and artistic. These guys approached it in a new way because they had limited exposure and they made their own system, which is awesome. But to me, this is uh, much more of that um, 
really just raw art vibe through the South. And I'm curious, Josh, I can't really speak to this, but I feel like there may be a point in there somewhere. I don't read a lot of uh, fiction, but I feel like maybe this has a little bit of the Southern Gothic thing. I think that's the part of the South maybe you were you were feeling pressing up against your heart. <laughs> I feel like maybe that's what it was. Because there is yeah. a there is a thing there, but it's not, it's like a Cape Fear-ish. Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking like Faulkner, Flannery O'Connor, stuff like that. I mean, you're, you, that's a great comp for them. I mean, musically, I think this this is more like Pixies or like yeah, exactly. late 70s, like punkish, where they're basically taking Southern rock in a more punk direction. That, that That's that's probably a better mm-hmm. description yeah. of, of how I kind of interpret them. I tell you that Pistol of Fire, and I know you guys have heard me say this. Now, that's fucking awesome. Now, that really still impresses me to this day how much kick. They put yeah. in that song. Do they do that in many other songs? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's uh, especially on this album. This is an outlier on this particular that Pistol of Fire is on this album. And there's oh, there's there's some other ones like uh, Four Kicks is on this album. King of the Rodeo is almost like a weird rock and roll two step. Slow Night So Long. This is it, and it comes. It's the sixth song on the album. It's just so different than everything else on the album. It's almost like a break. They just kind of threw in there, and it's just, it's like, oh, okay, this band can do this stuff, too. And I, I, I do, John, I like that kind of way you, you say, like, their perspective, they were able to take their Southern surroundings and, like, their influences from the South. That's why I say it, it's still Southern rock, because they're, they're still influenced by their upbringing in the South. I just want to make it clear real quick. I just want to make it, it's okay to not be from the South. Like, it's sure. okay. It's okay. It's, it's fine. Okay. I, it's not I, your fault. It's not your fault. I'm, still, I'm still friends with people that are from the South, that are not, uh, not from and, the South. And here's the thing, I think, where it gets a little muddy. They kind of came out with where it was the two brothers, and then there they met a producer uh, who was a producer on the song, Angelo Petraglia, who produced their first album and was a co-writer on every song on the first album. And and they've even said, like, we didn't really know that much music. So this guy basically was just like, here are the records you have to listen to. Here's what you need to listen to. And Eaton, Eaton Johns is the producer on this as well. And Eaton Johns is amazing. Was it does his does his dad was who did Glenn Johns was Glenn Johns is is that Dark Side does it engineer from yes. Dark Side yes <laughs> well he he did a lot of Zeppelin stuff as well Glenn Johns oh, that's amazing so Eaton Johns he kind of got his mark from like you know he did a lot of Ryan Adams stuff Ray LaMontagne Emmylou Harris this sounds Ryan Adams is actually when you, when you mention it like some of the, the, the arrangements yeah I mean he's I worked with Paul McCartney he's worked with as a producer. Yeah, but like Ryan Adams, Kingsley on, and I would say probably Ray LaMontagne or like his, but like he was the, he produced the Ray LaMontagne, you know, the, his big first album. And he did, I think he did Ryan Adams' big album as well. So, I mean, well, this, this song was actually produced in a studio in, in Los Angeles and using the, the mixing board from Abbey Road, which is just kind of a. In spite of the criticisms, I think the hard part for me is the things that I, I don't like, the things that bother me most about the song happen at the very beginning. And it's like, oh, it's tough for me. I don't like the synth, the pitchiness. I do love the arrangement. And once again, far and away, I don't care if I like it, don't like it, pitchy, not pitchy. I don't care if it's original, if it's sincere. And you can tell this is, you know, they didn't write this trying to get on the pop charts. That was the later shit they did. But like this stuff is legitimately, it's just artistic, man. I wrote down that I really love the way it starts and ends. Um, I, I love the simple production because it's, you know, it's such a simple song and you don't want to overdo it. I agree that the sound of the synth, like you said, it could be from an infomercial or something, but it's not out front. It just kind of like leads you into the song and almost creates that dreamscape that Josh was talking about. There's not much to it. It just kind of brings the song in and I love how it ends 
just with him doing like the humming. Almost yeah. in contrast to uh, Long December, yes. This is a good version of expression <laughs> at the end well, of a well, song. Well, also the humming kind of like it, the music flows into the humming and the 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 feeling with the outro, which I always bitch about in the ends of songs on this podcast. I feel like because a lot of times I don't like them, but I love this. It's just very simple. It almost leaves you out of that kind of dreamscape where mm -hmm. it's all these good feelings. And these How many times are you going to say dreamscape? No more dreamscape. You can't say dreamscape anymore. It's three times now. I, I we were, the fuck I, I, I want, man. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no more fucking dreamscapes. Look, okay, so it kind of takes you out of this vibe, and, and then now it's kind of sad. It also creates like a sad vibe that wasn't really there. And so it kind of changes the vibe at the end, and you're kind of left with this uh, longing almost. Like yeah, bittersweet I, little taste. I don't know if it was the songwriting or the production, but the the decision to bring in those drums the way they do and really kind of bring the song up is oh, such yeah. a so it was such a good decision because it if it was just all that monotone singing, it would it just wouldn't have the same effect, same power. I like the little kind of eighties Commodores uh, little yeah. bit. The juxtaposition of it is cool. It'd be better if they were a little funkier. The playing is not the best playing you're ever going to hear, but it's a cool idea. It's cool. Yeah. I do like that idea. Well, I had something written down, like just that particular guitar playing. It almost reminded me of uh, 80s uh, I'm on Fire, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, yeah. That part, like, and even their, their, this song and how they're always talking about sex and women, like just that song seemed like such a good comp for this. You know? I love it. So... Are we? I just want to be clear because I can't tell what he's saying. Are we? Are we saying he's talking about sex women in this song? He is no, talking about. I, sex. I think. What's well, so, okay? The so, other ones. I just want to be clear about this because. So so this song is written about a, a girl he was dating in L.A. when they were recording this album. I don't so know let me let me get you guys uh, your your insights on this. So we're talking about production. We're talking about the band in general. They clearly moved to a more pop sound as they went. Yes. Do you think? Do you think that was just a scheme? Do you think do you feel like I don't really believe in the term sellout? I don't believe in that term at all. But do you feel like they were compromising their quality of their art for popularity? No, I I, I think they consciously they, I think they know what they're doing. I think they're writing pop rock songs and but I find them uh, sincere in what they're doing. I don't think they're selling out. I think this is what they wanted to do. And it was it's really about his voice. I mean, you either like his voice or you don't. If you don't like his voice, you're not gonna like this band. And I like his voice. For me, I think, I think, and this is just obviously just me. I think they demonstrate their talents better early in their career. Yeah. And I don't know much. I only know a handful of their songs, but what I've heard, the beginning stuff is more interesting. The later stuff, I feel like there's a number of bands that, frankly, could have done those songs. I don't think they're as inherently unique as like this song, for example. I think yeah. this song's very I interesting. Think, I think their popular songs are, are exactly what they were going to evolve to be. I mean, as you as you evolve, you're just going to change your sound a little bit. And like they've almost like all their records after that. I didn't really like those records again because I said it was snobbish, but now I've kind of listened to a lot of that. I've heard a lot of it over the years, and it's great. It's great like adult rock, basically, at this point. Yeah. And to go back real quick to something I think, Neil, you said at the beginning, which I do love, is that this song, it's such a youthful sound. And, and I think they got that in, I, I don't know how, but his, his songwriting, the music, the production, everything. I think this song is so well executed. I get your... This song sounds like... What to me exactly what good song should sound like. It sounds like an art project. It sounds like the other ones are cool. And, and look, when they call me and ask me if they did the right thing with their career, which I'm sure they will do at some point, you know, I'll tell them. So they've obviously done great for themselves. One thing I think of with this song is 
it almost seems like it, something that you'd hear at like a college party or like an open mic or like someone that you see that and you're like, damn, that person is talented as fuck. That's a great tune. And it just sounds like some, some little yeah. kid wrote and you're like, fuck, it's great. I was literally thinking the same thing, Neil. When it was on, I was like, you know, if someone was, if I just walked into like an open mic and someone did this, I'd be like, fuck, dude, that was sick. I would be very impressed. Yeah. yeah. I'd be very impressed. Um, but, but here's my thing, and this is something I've been using to kind of measure songs by. This song feels like the kind of song they would sit around and play and perform this music, even if there was no one around to hear it. Like they're doing it for themselves. Yeah. Use somebody doesn't sound like that. I don't see them sitting around. Oh, 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 oh. That just feels yeah. contrived. Totally, totally. Neil, what do you think? Under the influences, what do you think? This song specifically remind the guitar playing reminded me of Nick Drake. I don't know if you know that See, stuff that like Pink yeah, Moon, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, oh, yeah. and just the unintelligible lyrics. So it, it felt very Nick Drake yeah. to me. Another Southern like, Rock staple. Like, <laughs> like I said, I mean, it, the guitar playing kind of reminded me of I'm on Fire. Yeah, and I feel like bands that they've possibly influenced, I don't know about this song specifically, but I feel like the Alabama Shakes have a very Kings of Leon kind of sound to them, even though it's a girl singing. Like, sometimes I feel like, I'm like, is that Kings of Leon? Yeah. But Again, like I said earlier, and we disagree, but like I think they're just an evolution. I, I, Alabama Shakes is even more so of an evolution of the Southern rock genre. I mean, I think they're basically taking it in more of a punk, almost, you could say, new wave-ish direction those influences into a southern rock form if you if you like this band you listen to aha shake heartbreak um and 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 really in terms of who they influenced any rock band after them they influenced cage the elephant arctic monkeys probably arcade fire uh cool. like you said alabama shakes i mean all those bands have or were influenced by that early wave of, of, of rock and Kings Leon, one of those, one of those early wave of alts rock strokes, Kings Leon, white stripes. And mm-hmm. so, you know, all those ha- take something from, from them. I would say they're like a, uh, a Pentecostal uh, velvet underground in the sense that, um, at least they Ooh, started like that. that, at least they started that way. Yeah. And then they ended up being a Pentecostal, I don't know, U2 light is what, <laughs> is what they turned into. But like this is, I mean, this fine. Once again, when they call asking what they should do with their lives, I'll tell them. But like, I think if you took their like later stuff and like as a whole, and not just that use somebody album, like after their, that, they're almost know. they're almost like a southern yacht rock. After that, like a lot of yeah. their stuff is like is good it, for like outside listening and chilling. You're saying this yeah. pontoon yeah. rock? Yes, pontoon rock. <laughs> that's, the t- that's the title. Let's be title clear. name. Yeah, and so like. Um, <laughs> that's great just Johnny. one more thing the best video of this specific song was um Lollapalooza 2014 um so cool because it's with an orchestra they did three songs with an orchestra and that that whole video is uh, the whole concert's available on youtube and shop professionally it's it's a good watch if you're looking for it uh as we move under the covers i i, I don't know I, I didn't find any covers of the song no there's no uh it, favorite part of the song uh, for me, the, the weird, the, the weird shit. Where it's like, what's he saying? Like this whole, like his his own kind of language bit. Like that kind of really creative stuff. I dig that. I think that's. So cool. you have a love hate relationship with the vocal in this song. No, listen. I want to be very clear. <laughs> it's the beginnings where he's doing the ascending. It's like a whole step or something. And yeah. it's just like it's like he's searching for the note. But it's not his voice. He's a good singer, and I, and I usually like the tone. I don't think it's the best part of the song, but as far as just. For me, the um, when it does kick in, because like you're th- you're sitting there thinking like, where is this going? And then the drums and guitar 
falls in, you're like, oh, this is where it's going. This is yeah. sweet. I think I think the 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 chorus. I like the chorus. The, the most i think that's my favorite part of the song I, I don't really have a least favorite part of the song Jonathan well, and that's where that's where it kicks in right yeah yeah, yeah yeah so I mean, yeah I, but I, i'm also i think i'm talking about the the lyric as well i, I really yeah like. I, I think everything the whole the because the lyrics are great there and just how everything builds up to that is great yeah yeah I, and there again i like that little 80s fucking debarge Mm-hmm. they go into there where it's just kind of like all right don't, we're in the 80s. Don't, 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 don't. And, and it came out of like kind of nowhere and I'd really, it, you know, it's, I don't want to go so far as to say it's surrealism, but this starts, I mean, this has brings together some very interesting uh, eclectic things into one place. And that's something I always appreciate in art. Yeah. Final question. Does, does the shoe fit? Jonathan, how does the shoe fit? I like seeing this shoe on other people. I think it's a cool looking <laughs> shoe, but I don't need to wear this. <laughs> I mean, I can put it, I wear it sometimes. I probably try to take it you, back. Either you, you could definitely, you can, you, you definitely look at me wearing the shoes. It's like, it's like, I would like to wear the shoes, but I put them on and it's just not quite comfortable enough. And then I never wear them, but they're cool. They're cool enough to have. This, this is like a, this is like a, a nice pair of like boots that I can wear like <laughs> out. A nice pair of boots for the pontoon. No, no, no. Like, 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 boots. What do you mean like, boots? like casual boots, like a boot. Casual boots. You can wear to dinner, you can wear out to a bar or to a show that are going to look good. And, in you a know, car in a bar? Not, not cowboy <laughs> boots, not duck boots, not pontoon boots. You're taking like every boot I can think of. Like, do you have an example of a casual Do you have a casual boot you can show me? I do. I have two casual boots. No, no, no. I have the, the, uh, Clark, a pair of Clark's Chucka boots. Let's just say Clark's Chucka boots. Yeah, they're like a pair of Clark, Clark's Chucka boots on a night, uh, like going out to a nice dinner. You know, as a third party... Um, Observer, what concerns you more, casual boots or casual sex? <laughs> casual <laughs> boots or casual sex? I mean, what do you think? What casual you? sex or casual, yeah, casual sex? sex. Um, <laughs> well, I'd, I'd say casual sex is more concerning. It, it, you never know where it's going to spread. Because I mean, I, casual boots. I mean, there are casual boots. <laughs> you don't have to be My boots riding are horses casual, or climbing a right. mountain. But um, the shoe fits. Uh, I don't have a good comp. For shoes, maybe like your Sunday best, some church shoes. And so, okay, so we'll end on this. Some Jordans, they're kind of re- yeah. artistically retro, right? But they're not a new balance, they're not running shoes. That's yeah. all we're going to We're going to play this song now. Stay 
for me She saw my comb over her hourglass body She had problems with drinking milk and being school tardy She'll loan you a toothbrush, she'll bartend your party Okay, uh, the cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond and Neil Marsh. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, wherever you listen. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week is Jonathan's week, so what are we going to talk about, Jonathan? We'll be talking about If You Could Read My Mind by Gordon Lightfoot. Can't wait! Ha, 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 ha.